Welcome to season two of Overcoming Working Mum Burnout. I'm your host, Dr. Jacqueline Kerr, mum burnout survivor, behavior change scientist, and TEDx speaker. On this podcast, I interview international burnout experts, HR and DEI leaders, and lifestyle coaches to find out how we can create individual, organizational, and cultural change to prevent burnout. When mums thrive, the world benefits. Please take a moment to watch my TEDx talk. The YouTube link is in the show description, and my talk is called How to Stop Burnout Before It Starts. And please download my free guide to spotting burnout in your employees on my website, drjacquelinekerr.com. This week, I'm talking about creating a village of helpers to prevent burnout with app developer Toyosi Babalola. I met Toyosi through a previous guest, Leslie Ford. I helped Toyosi position herself for a grant application and was so impressed at how she'd been such a resilient black woman leader in the Famtech space. Toyosi is a talented app developer who's created the Abue app to support families with a village of service providers. Based on a bartering system and a tribe of users, families can get support or provide support through ride shares, meals, classes, tutoring, summer activities, etc. One of the most important tools for reducing burnout is leveraging resources. The Ibue app makes this easy. You can find key takeaways on the episode website, drjacquelinecurr.com. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with Toyosi as much as I did. Hello, my name is Teosi Babalola, a founder of Abule, which means village in my native language, Yoruba. And I am a mom to a wonderful nine-year-old daughter. I am also the founder and owner of Grace Design Agency, where we design for brands as well as design and develop their applications. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that, Toisi. And you're originally from Nigeria. Yes. Great, great. So perhaps start there. Please describe your journey to where you are now in your career, including any time before you started working that you want to share. Sure. So my background is in IT. I actually went to study computer science for my undergrad in New York. And at the time, there weren't too many females in that field, let alone women of color. So it was definitely an interesting period. But of course, I, you know, I just trucked through. I was determined to hone in on my skills with computer science. And that's what I had studied. And I had moved to D.C. and worked several different government contracts at the time for companies, including the IRS and NASA. And I'd worked there for over 12 years. Within that period of time, I did have my, my daughter. And that's, that's where I believe the concept of Abule started. So for me, growing up in Nigeria, I vividly remember having friends, neighbors, you know, um, families stepping in to help at the drop of a hat to care for kids in various capacities like, you know, random babysitting, help pick up drop-offs from school, even tutoring and homework help. Like I remember coming back home from school with my friends and just literally going to their house and I'd get fed at the end of the night and just go back home to, to sleep. And that, that nostalgic feeling was what I'd hoped to experience when I had my daughter and I was grossly missing. 
Uh, so it was within that period that I started th- thinking of visualizing what my ideal village will look like in this Western world. And somewhere along that line, too, I also became a single mom. So, of course, the um, the challenges were even more compounded. Uh, coupled with that, not only was it mentally and emotionally stressful for me to um, parent alone, I also have uh, a physical limitation. I have scoliosis and I had back surgery. So it was extremely hard for me to even physically cope. So to survive as a single mom, I sought out to build my own tribe, my own village within my neighborhood and amongst friends. Um, as family lived too far away from me, and it was it was pretty it was it was great. It was successful until you know it started becoming awkward to make the the ask. And I believe that a lot of parents too tend to find it awkward asking. You know, once twice is okay, but then after a while, I mean, everyone has a busy work schedule, so it it it, it becomes awkward. So I resorted to doing what most parents do today, which is operating a silo and. Of course, I burned out. Um, I burned out so much to the point where I couldn't function at work any longer. Eventually, I got laid off. And it was from then on out that I I vowed never to take another nine to five job until I was able to use, hopefully use technology to to help families solve this dilemma. That's a that's a tough journey. And I hadn't appreciated that you'd had scoliosis surgery. I have scoliosis too, and it's not bad enough to have ever had surgery, but I've definitely seen colleagues and friends who have. So that's, yeah, that's so tough. Yes, it is. It's actually made like almost my entire spine is fused. So at the moment, you know, I'm struggling because my husband broke his leg. And so we're not sharing household tasks anymore. And yeah, it's, it's really tough. It's really tough to look after yourself and to look after someone else and look after the kids. Absolutely. And, and the reality is that we were never meant to, or should I say, you know, I don't believe that we were ever meant to do everything all alone, hence the reason why we need to lean on each other more for support. Right. Yes. And and, and the listener asked about that. She was saying, how do other countries approach parenting more in an intergenerational way? And how can this help and us in the US? So, so for example, I have a friend in Denmark, a colleague in Denmark, who actually lives with his ex-wife and his mother-in-law in a farmhouse together. And they had to partly, you know, they made that mini village themselves because their son had um, diabetes. And so they were having to have extra care for him, wake him up in the night to check his sugar levels in the night and things like that. So it was just a really hard role for them to do that separately. And then this farm community that they've created among themselves, I visited them and it was so special. It was, it was incredible. So yeah, even intergenerational housing isn't that common here in the U.S., Right. It isn't in the Western world. And like I had uh, mentioned earlier, you know, growing up back home from in Nigeria, it was it wasn't as 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 common. Usually when and someone has a, a child, the either the mother-in-law on the mom's side or the husband's side would, would come for a few months, actually sometimes years to help out with the with the with the baby but then it wasn't necessarily common that they'd live there indefinitely however neighbors huge communities would usually come around to you know 
take turns helping wherever they see, wherever they're able to, right? So be it for pickup drop-offs or just random babysitting, those those small little things that you don't really pay attention to, but make a lot of a difference. So that's how it was back then for me growing up. And I think that's the concept that we need to reintroduce. I'd love to reintroduce in the on the U.S. and Western world as a, as a whole is to modernize that concept, maybe making use of a battery system that they had back in the days. But of course, in this, this period, it would be more so services so that, you know, everyone gets a win. You know, this modern times, there's got to be in it, something in it for everyone, really. So it's really helping to facilitate that community, but using technology. So I've worked a lot with older adults and and that's why things like intergenerational housing are of interest to me because I've seen how those options can make housing more affordable, but also that they, that, that, you know, that these cities are more integrated and age friendly and, and that we really see our older adults as a force and, and, a, and a huge community benefit instead of a burden. So certainly that's the mindset that I've worked on with the AARP and other organizations. But I know here in San Diego, there is a village concept for older adults too, where it is service exchange in this one particular community for older adults. And I agree that's so important. Even just last night, I was begging somebody to change with me. They they're going to be helping drop my daughter off after her school play practice. And I'm begging to pick their son up on other days because I, I just feel so uncomfortable in this ask position. And I know that too, you know, one of our guests was, she was an expert on parental burnout and and she had to review all the, the process of understanding or, or solving you know, treating parental burnout is to look at what are the stresses and try and reduce them and then to look at the resources and try and add them. And as I thought about that process, I am so uncomfortable asking for help. And I am so uncomfortable then having to manage the help process because it takes extra steps and time and trying to coordinate everything. So I can totally see how in this situation I'm in at the moment where, you know, I'm I'm having to ask for help more. Oh, I, I get, I just, I just want to be able to do something in return. And I know that can be down the line or that friendship is about not having to do anything in return, but I'm so much into, I think what you're saying in terms of, yeah, that sort of barter exchange makes people feel more comfortable. Exactly. And also remember I mentioned earlier that a bully is set to help reduce that awkwardness. So I've been on this journey, right, for at least three years now. So I started it with actually interviewing well over 500 parents, right? Both of my daughter's school, as well as the neighborhoods, as well as my friends living, you know, far away. And it's interesting that 100% of them actually said that they'd rather batter service, you know, like all these childcare tasks with their friends and neighbors, but quite often they felt awkward. So they actually taught me what to build, right? So I definitely took a user-centered approach and, you know, I really wanted to get to the root cause of it. Hence the reason why in Abule, even though dollar values are attached to the services, really it's, we've created our own currency. So it's credits so that it doesn't feel awkward handing your friend $5 to pick up your kid. So they get credits, And the good thing about that is that 
credits can then be used to fill another request of which we have several requests, like so tutoring, pickup, drop-off, random babysitting, everything, a hodgepodge of things. So you could use it. It's not a one-to-one. Just because you picked up Mike, it doesn't mean that's how you have to return the favor. You could be good at, you're good at writing. Jack, Jacqueline, please teach my daughter how to write. So you get to use the credits that way. And then for parents, especially stay-at-home parents, and your skills that way, right? And then the concept of village is also we're sharing our wisdom. This is another big thing in, you know, in, you know for me growing up and in, you know, other countries where, you know, especially where culture is deeply rooted, right? It's the idea of sharing your wisdom with with the community with kids you'd see some communities back then i mean my mom would tell me they'd sit at the, the feet of an adult and you know kids would sit around and they're telling stories so, so we have activities too so actually that we launched right so people could come in and host if you're a nasa engineer you know how to you want to teach the kids right it's so it's that whole concept of the virtual village that i'd like to to bring the other good thing too is that for people that are stay home that choose to be because by choice some people want to be stay home to be closer more hands-on and once again and that should be fine and accepted right people staying at home shouldn't be looked down upon which i've also seen as a thing we really need each other these are the people that actually could pick up more of the tasks right that our working parents are not able to feel once again and that's okay what's in it for them is that they they could have the ability to make extra money because most of them, right, are lacking in that money department. So they could cash out credits. So really it's a win-win for everyone. And I really wanted to create that environment where it's affordable, right? If you want and you're able to give back, yes, you could give back and you save your money. Otherwise, if you're strapped for time, like a lot of working parents are, you could just buy buy credits, just buy into it, right? Without being penalized. That's great. That's a great description of why the barter system and kind of how it works. And I love that. But so let's just, you know, step back and and tell everyone what a buoy is. And again, anything else you want to add about how you created it and started it. Tell the listeners exactly what it is and and why it's this beautiful online village. Yes. So as I mentioned earlier, Abule means village in Yoruba and Abule allows parents to tap into the power of community to facilitate their child's upbringing. So with Abule, you know, parents no longer have to feel awkward in making, you know, asks like for pickup drop-off requests with their friends, neighbors, family or friends, sitting, tutoring or, or homework help. Abule is your, your all-in-one childcare management solution, with the exception of healthcare, of course, but the whole concept of a village coming together to raise our children is what a belay is. Okay. And so what are the, tell us a little bit more about the the different buckets as I think of them that Abui provides, because you've got classes and community as well as services. Yes. So there are various buckets like you've mentioned, and our hope is that in the future it's going to keep growing, but we're starting small. When we take a step back to look at the concept of battering, I wanted to create a platform where it wasn't a direct, it didn't have to be a direct one-to-one battering situation, right? Which most parents get, I guess it could be limited. So we do have activities which parents or anyone really volunteers, even educators we've had signing up to actually teach classes. And these are not necessarily formal classes. They could be life, you know, life skills. 
And we had someone even sign up to show kids how to make pancakes, right? So literally it could be anything. So there's that. And then you have your pickup drop-offs. So I believe helps facilitate the scheduling. You could see which kid is being picked up. Everything Abuli does for you. They also have a calendar, right? That helps and color code all your kids. Easy scheduling removes the awkwardness and asking your neighbor to help you pick up a kid and drop off. There's also babysitting. It's the same concept of, right? Either your neighbor friend would facilitate everything for you. And then there's tutoring or homework help. If your kid needs homework help right after school, I'm not well-versed in writing. Jacqueline can help me pick up that while I help her and teach her own kid how to animate things. So how, how has this resonated more with mums during COVID? Well, so during COVID, we launched the virtual activities because again, I mean, it's, it is a, a robust platform. So we're rolling things out in phases. So during the pandemic, it was activities that we had going on and we had a very good turnout. It really resonated with them, the whole concept of battering activities or sharing our individual knowledge with, with kids. We had people sign up to even, there was someone that signed up to feed a baby goat, like a farm tour for kids, which I thought was the cutest thing ever. Um, so it's, it's definitely really resonated with parents. And as I go out and talk to more parents, moms in particular, the whole concept of raising kids, you know, the village just makes total sense, total sense to them. I think it definitely takes a little bit more education because we're not used to it. So that's where I've been finding, right? I really literally have to hold their hands to walk them through the process, but it's all good. That's, that's why we're here. So um, what are some of the most popular activities? What are the different age groups that you, you serve? Um, so some of the most popular activities, I mean, the hardest period was during the summertime, as you would imagine, right? Right now, it's more so tutoring, pickup, drop-off requests, right? And that's, that's the thing. Because our needs vary depending on the school season, right? That's why we haven't found one platform. And I really want to account for that. So the hardest thing right now on a bully really is the request piece of it versus the activities, right? But during the pandemic, the, the um, most popular activities were animation that I, I, I thought teaching kids um, like motion graphics how to animate anything so like their egos or anything really as well as how medicine is made there was someone that thought a class you know like a phd student teaching was teaching kids how you know to make medicine in a lab just walking them through that's awesome and so what are some of the barriers that you could that, that people come up with when they think about this maybe concerns about um, security and safety and and how do you address those yeah so definitely trust and safety is the biggest barrier and that's very understandable especially I mean it's given the fact that it's a child care related but it isn't any more risky than other child care platforms that are out there today like for example care.com which is like the biggest child care provider in the U.S. if anything I'd argue that it's it's safer because you wouldn't go live in your kid with just anyone right you would have a list of trusted tribe which I believe allows you to keep track of kind of like your friends list your tribe so, so you do have, parents do have full control over, they allow their kids to interact with, or they themselves interact. So they get to cherry pick members of their tribe. We also do have an identity verification system, as well as an optional background check. If I already feel comfortable with my neighbor or my friends, there's no reason for a background check. However, if 
I'm not able to source them for when I need help and I need to look, you know, at a broader village for help. I will be looking on people's profiles to see if they have a background check, right? So Abule allows allows for that too. And we do we do take those things, security and safety, very serious. Another barrier too would be core values is a big thing. So when parents on board, we ask them questions about their interests and core values, and we're we're matching them with people that, you know, that have similar core values and recommending people near and far. Obviously, we looked at the closest people first, and then there might be people farther away. So that's a big thing too. Like, how do I trust that our, our values align? Right. Because that's a big thing. Could even be things like diet. So so we look at, you know, we, we take a multidimensional approach to pairing people and to recommending and suggesting based on activities, the kids' activities, right? So the the more we're able to find in common, the 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 easier it becomes to start breaking a little bit of that, those walls that we tend to put up, right? And which in turn leads to, tr- to being able to trust each other a little bit more. But we have to start from somewhere. That's such a great idea. So how, how many users do you have at the moment? And, you know, what's your target? And what are the things, some of the things we can do to encourage people to, to sign on as a caregiver or as a, a user? Yes. So right now, the, the physical aspect, which is just the request, pick up, drop off, random babysitting, right? The, we have over 200 users and restarting in just the New York area and Sacramento area because we already have pre-existing tribes, like groups of people there. But as we start to scale, right, something like this could only work, at least that aspect of it, the physical aspect could only work when you have like, you know, a group of people, at least I'd say three people willing to take turns and have to help each other out. So we're starting in, in clusters. So far in New York and Sacramento, California, we have over 200 users. And the idea here is that, so there are two user types, parents and caregivers. However, caregivers can, and we encourage people to also become parents to become a caregiver. So it's not one or the other. It's not a platform where we just have service providers and nannies as caregivers. That's not what we're trying to encourage. We're trying to encourage a world where everyone in whatever capacity they can is able to come around and help each other out. Everyone gives a little a user and a caregiver combined and it makes sense I I can think about people that are in carpools at the moment or groups at the moment that that, yeah that's the perfect place to say let's join this and then we can you know start to exchange yep start to exchange and it is happening to your point it is happening today in Facebook groups and all that informally but Abule comes in to help formalize right and and also helps with the accountability, right? We all have that one friend where, right? One is doing more than the other, right? And then, but it gets awkward having that conversation with your friends, like, oh, well, I did that yesterday. Can you, right? So bully kind of helps in, in that sense. And again, it is, you know, sometimes I, I, w- I was feeling like that at, as well at the moment in terms of there's all these volunteer positions for my daughter's play. And, and because of my husband's leg, I mean, he's really immobile at the moment. So I just don't have extra time to be able to go volunteer. But I have said, OK, I'll buy the treats. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll spend some money here instead. So I would be like the person who's, you know, buying credits rather than gaining credits. And it doesn't even have to be that way 100% of the time. It's just that at this given moment, 
I cannot and I'd rather pay. I'm like that too. And I'm sure most parents are like that. Hence the reason why it's a credit. So we, we need our own decentralized marketplace. And that's exactly what we're, we're trying to do. And that seems so important at the moment. I'm seeing that because, you know, all the articles I'm reading is about how with COVID, the child care industry has just been decimated and, and we're trying to get that back. And there are groups of people trying to fundraise and change this. But I see yours as this really um, flexible, immediate solution that we have right now. Yes, it is. And, I, and, and I'm hoping that we could reach as many people quickly as possible. But to your point about fundraising, right, it's, it's, believe it or not, it's, that's still a tough area, despite the fact that we're solving for something really, really critical, which is, has been interesting. Right. So we, we were talking that before. So for example, women of color le- receive less than 1% of any venture capital. So tell us a little bit about that journey and how, how you're making decisions. It's tough. It's been hard. I've been, yes, it's been three years. And honestly, if I were into technical person um, building, because I'm just, I'm, I just keep building because that's what I know to do. And, you know, people would argue and VCs would argue that, well, I'm doing it backwards, but I'm fine with that. I'm okay with being myself and I'm okay with honing in on where I'm strongest. Right. So I just keep building despite the fact that we haven't been, you know, funded majorly. It's been family and friends over the past three years, as well as, you know, literally my sweat and blood. And I do have a team, a lot of my teammates sit in my home country. So we've literally built out of Africa giving to every, everyone. And I love it. You know, Mama Africa would, would, would step in to help. And again, that's one of the things I'm most proud of. Either way, I'm determined to make a positive impact in the lives of families. I definitely see this going somewhere. So with or without VC funding, we will, we will, we will help people. And, and so what are the, some of the choices you've made, like as a mompreneur, because like you said, you don't, you don't want that nine to five job again, and you don't want the pre- pressure of being burned out by trying to jump through hoops for some outside entity. So yeah, tell us some of the challenges of, of, of doing this, of being a female founder in technology as a mom. Yeah, well, so for me, was definitely not having enough time with my being a single mom. I literally work around the clock. So I had to move back home. My mom, who is wonderful and is now helping me. See, I had to move back to village. It goes back to that intergenerational thing. Because I figured, I mean, I was all the way in D.C. and she lives here in New York. Like, why, why are we living two separate, right, when we could consolidate and help each other out? And she's elderly. She enjoys the company. Right. Which is always this is another big thing for most elderly people is we really aren't tapping into them as resources. Right. Instead, they're in nursing homes, you know. So as, as a as a mom and a founder, it's been tough on that front, just not having enough time for for myself, for my daughter. But once again, I take that as a as a sacrifice, building what I want for families to 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 start seeing them thrive. Um, so I know that it's only short term and I do have my own support system here as well, which I'm thankful for, both my my family as well as friends. Otherwise, 
from a financial standpoint, especially if it's not being funded, it's been difficult. I'm not even going to mince words. I've had to turn around to set up Grace, which is my design and tech agency to, to survive. But I'd rather that than, you know, try to go for a, a VC funding only to get burned out, which leads me back to where I started. That's something I really had to sit down to think about what what my main goal was in establishing a bull. You know, is it for the money or is it for for the for the impact? And you know, time and time again is the impact. Matter of fact, a bull is a public benefit corporation and I'd love for it to be owned by most parents or most women. It's it's for the community. So, you know, I had to take a step back from, you know, trying to, to pursue VC funding to, to, to really get, get authentic with myself. If I pursued VC funding, am I, am I going back to where I said I didn't want to be? And the answer for me was yes. So it, it's, it's, it's a no, <laughs> you know, eventually we might pursue that route, you know, on the growth, in the growth phase. But for now, I'm okay with I'm okay with our pace. I'm okay with reaching people organically and connecting with people, people, you know, at a very core level. And I can really empathize with, with this situation you're in, in terms of the work I'm doing around overcoming working mom burnout is not income generating and just the amount of time, you know, it takes me to even just have the, the podcast. It's like a full-time job, but it does not bring you any income. I have another job, (laughs) my other business, like you mentioned is, is grant writing. So I still have to keep that up often enough to be able to bring an income in. And again, the choices I have to make in terms of like we were talking before, you know, I do all my own editing with the podcast because, you know, I'm not bringing in income. So to, to, to pay someone outsource that is, is just not an option at the moment. So I'm really grateful for you having this passion and putting your blood sweat and tears into it and I'm glad you have you you've got other again because you've got this course skill your technology is just such a superpower for you so you're using it in in every way but not just your technology again your vision and your design your your branding on Avui is so beautiful it's amazing I thank you, Jacqueline. Oh gosh, I'm blushing. <laughs> so it doesn't surprise me that you've got this creative design and tech agency. Yeah, again, those are your superpowers. I love it. Yeah, no, honestly, I could do that in my in my sleep. You know, it's just something that makes me, and that's another thing I'd love to encourage everyone. Just do what makes you happy, right? Do what makes you, you happy. Right, right. No, I'm in the same situation this week. I've I've got to work on some of my income generating projects. And then I have another project around assessing gender ideals. And I'm like, okay, which do I want to work on first? Right. And then what's going to bring on the, the money, right? And then how do I also balance that with passion? Right, exactly, exactly. And I think it's a big question for everyone too, right? Balancing that the money aspect and then with the, the passion pursuit of hobbies, <laughs> right? Right, right, exactly. But I, I, I think that I think quite a few of the women that I feel are in this space around like the fam tech space or just other spaces of, of wanting to address women's issues, they often are having to start it as a side hustle. And eventually over time, it, it all comes together. But there is this period of, you know, personal investment in something. So yeah, I really appreciate that you're, you're putting that time and effort in. 
So one of the things I always ask is to think about behavior change, because that's the background that I come from. And what would be one behavior change that you would recommend for mums to do today, or even for companies to do today? Because companies could also, you know, connect their employees with Abue too. So what, what are your thoughts about that and, and what people can sort of start to change straight away? Wow, that's a good question. Well, so for me, it's just to realize that change begins on a cellular level. I know, especially with the pandemic, everyone has been yearning for, you know, changes, but we tend to point fingers. I'd like us to be more introspective, right? Both, I'm speaking now, both to individuals and employers, right? How, what can we do to make things better individually versus pointing fingers to, I hear a lot of talk like, well, the government should do X, Y, Z, right? For childcare or my company should do X, Y, Z. But really start looking internally within our own selves, within our communities. What can we do? What is one thing? Who is the one person I could help this week? to make that difference, right? And then it causes a ripple effect. That's one big thing that I'd love to, to, to see more of, right? Even though it hasn't been easy for me, I'll tell you what, over the summer, I knocked on the doors and on my apartment, and over 200 of them, one person I've been able to connect with, and now she's a friend, right? Also a single mom. And we've taken turns, right? Helping out, sometimes not, right? So what is that one thing that I could do to help my neighbor. Most people don't even know their neighbor's names. So change starts on a cellular level and it starts with each individual. And, and I know one of my coaches sort of says that when you point your finger, look at the finger pointing away from you and then the three pointing back. Exactly. And we live in such a take, take, take society. It's, oh, we don't have enough, you know, childcare centers, daycares are closed, right? But really, are we ever going to have enough? There are 4 million babies being born every year, statistically, in the U.S. Are we ever going to have enough structures? Are we ever going to have enough facilities? Are we ever going to have enough companies help, you know, looking or willing to fund? Not even everyone has jobs. So if we do not start to look into right, communities to help each other out, we're going to be spinning our wheels. I love that idea of saying, you know, what... Yeah. Who can I help this week? Right. Like if my daughter is going to the same school as you, you know, and your neighbor, it costs me nothing. There's always room for one more. If I'm teaching my kid math for her homework, it doesn't cost me anything <laughs> to teach one more. Right. That's great. So thank you so much, Tracy, for your time. Do you have anything else you'd like to share with listeners about your work, about your future goals? That, that can help you get your message out there? It's really just to, you know, come connect with us on, on a bully, invite your friends, your, your family, and uh, let's build a thriving community for, for families all over. That's my big vision. <laughs> and it's so wonderful. And yeah, it wasn't really till today that I started to think about how I had been embracing this through my work with older adults. You just do such an amazing job bringing it all together on on an online platform, on an app. So I'm so grateful for your time and your vision. I thank you so much for having me. This was this was amazing. And thank you for, you know, for keeping in touch. I know every time you see something that reminds you, send me that email, I, I chuckle. I appreciate you consistently reaching out and I appreciate you believing in our vision.
Thank you so much for listening today. Please take a moment to watch my TEDx talk. The YouTube link is in the show description and my talk is called How to Stop Burnout Before It Starts. And please download your free guide on my website to how to spot burnout in your employees. Are you worried about your employees burning out? Are you losing some of your best talent, but you're too exhausted and burned out yourself to solve this problem? Are you concerned that any efforts you will make will be wasted? Would you like a clear roadmap for solving burnout and DEI challenges in one that you can adjust to your company culture? If your organization needs to ignite its burnout efforts with an inspiring keynote, I can talk about my story, the science behind burnout, and the science and practice of preventing burnout from my own experience, my podcast guests, and my public health behavior change multi-level approach. I can help provide a strategic plan of evidence-based solutions matched to your needs and a blueprint process to implement them in your workplace to improve psychological safety, reduce burnout and turnover, and ensure that your company remains a fair and value-driven company for thriving employees, where you are also no longer burned out and instead can effectively support others. The best kickstart is through a keynote. Just contact me through my website at drjacquelinecurr.com. And please remember, burnout can be related to serious health problems. If you're experiencing physical or mental health symptoms, please contact a health provider or call the appropriate helpline. This podcast does not replace medical advice. Take care. Feel the power Everything